Hi, welcome to the Aerospace Industries Association of Canada's podcast. It's hosted by me, Mike Mueller, Senior Vice President of AIAC. In each podcast, we'll be exploring topics of interest to our sector by interviewing leaders in both the Canadian and international aerospace industry and relevant thought leaders in order to provide timely perspective and context in the world of aerospace in Canada. AIC is committed to serving its members by being the bridge between industry and the government while bringing industry together, acting as its voice. Hope you enjoyed the pod. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in and joining us today. My name is Mike Mueller, Senior Vice President at AIC, and we have a great lineup today. And just a reminder for those tuning in live that we will have some time for question and answers after the discussion. So please put them in the chat function and I will ask them after we have wrapped up. Also, feel free to email them to myself. Just a quick reminder to put yourselves on mute. Our association represents more than 95% of aerospace activity in Canada. Our members are located in all regions of the country and range from very small to very large businesses operating in all three segments, space, aerospace, and defense. Throughout this COVID-19 crisis, the team at AIC has been working day in and day out to connect the industry and ensure that your voice is being heard. You should be receiving our news. You can use e-newsletter updates and be sure to check out the AIC.ca website. When you've had issues, we've been happy to raise them with the relevant folks, be it here in Canada with Canadian government officials and parliamentarians or in other jurisdictions with foreign officials and stakeholders. Given the current state of things, it may still be a while before we return to any sort of normal. And that means the challenges will continue. We're here to serve. So please continue to use us as a resource to help navigate these tough times. We've also shown how governments around the world are investing in promoting their industries. We need our parliamentarians to promote our industry if we are to remain globally competitive. So here to give us their perspectives, representing all of the major political parties, we are very pleased to have the co-chairs of our Parliamentary Aerospace Caucus. Member of Parliament Yvonne Baker from the Liberal Party, Member of Parliament Matt Genroux from the Conservative Party, Member of Parliament Alexandra Boularis from the New Democratic Party, and Member of Parliament Simon-Pierre Savard-Tremblay from the Bloc Québécois. Thank you all for making time to be here today. Moderating the discussion will be someone who our industry is very familiar with, a good friend and a fierce advocate for aerospace, former Deputy Prime Minister and Quebec Premier, partner at McCarthy Tetro, Chair of Vision 2025, the Honourable Jean Chray. So, Mr. Chray, I'll turn things over to you. Thank you very, very much, Mike. I haven't had that good an introduction in a long time. And I'm delighted to be uh, to join you today. And I want to welcome everyone to this discussion, which, by the way, will happen in both official languages, the vast majority being folks on the line are, are speaking English. So, But if you have questions or comments, or if you want to ask them in, in French or in English, please feel very, very quite at ease to do so. We may do a little translating as we go along, and that will be fine. But we want you to be able to throw your hat in the ring at any time. The timing of this webinar couldn't be better in terms of the future of the industry. Of course, COVID-19 is the story. It's dominated our lives for the last few months. But way before that, the industry had recruited me to do national consultations about the future of the aerospace industry in Canada which I was very happy to undertake given the role and the importance of this industry for the country and for Quebec, where I was premier for close to uh, 10 years in particular, and which brought me to pay special attention to uh, this industry, the jobs, the technology, the investments, the role that it plays in trade, all of them are key issues 
for the future of the country. Alors, le secteur de l'aérospatial, de l'aéronautique, de tout ce qui touche ce secteur est extrêmement important pour l'avenir du Canada. Et ça, ben, c'était une vérité bien avant la crise et la pandémie, mais ça l'a encore davantage dans un contexte de pandémie. Et d'où l'importance du webinar aujourd'hui qui vous offre l'occasion de, de participer à cette discussion. So we have with us today, for the purpose of, of this discussion, representatives of the political parties in the House of Commons. And as Mike has pointed out, uh, we have a aerospace caucus and four co-chairs from every one of the parties to help us out in communicating with the elected members of the House of Commons and the Government of Canada. And we'll be talking to them in a few minutes from now. But I want to return to the context and just remind everyone that over well over a year ago, We tabled a report, the AIAC, that called on the government of Canada to up its game in the area of aerospace. The point we made in the report after national consultations is that this industry in advanced manufacturing is the key leading industry in the country. I say it unabashedly. I mean, we should be proud to affirm that. We do $1.4 billion a year of research in R&D. There's no one else who does as much as that. No one. By far, 215,000 jobs and a contribution of $25 billion to the GDP of the country. And the reason why that's the case is because the governments of Canada have supported the industry. Historically, that's been the story for the last 80 years. And this is an industry, may I have to repeat it again, that is closely tied to working in partnership with governments. There is not a place in the world, in the world, where this industry exists without partnering with government. The reasons for that are pretty simple. I mean, the amount of money needed to invest in technology, to advance it, the timelines, all of this requires that there be this type of partnership, or there simply isn't an industry. Now, one of the particular aspects of the industry in Canada is that we don't have the defense spending that other countries do. You know, companies like Boeing, Airbus, receive between 25 or 30% of their revenue stream comes from defense spending. And that money crosses over into the civil sector in R&D and in development of products. In Canada, we don't have that advantage. What we do have as an advantage is a strong track record of being among the best in the world of producing civil planes, simulators, helicopters, motors. I mean, all of these things we do very well. The space industry is iconic in Canada, the famous Canada Arm. Not only did we do it, we're going to repeat it. We're now part of the initiative so that we can do it again. And that is going to be very significant. As the NASA has set an objective for itself, by the way, mandated by President Trump, nonetheless, to return to the moon and install a manned mission on the moon and then go to Mars. All of this is, you know, for the next generation of Canadians is going to be very exciting and very interesting. We do have, and this was before the pandemic, a real issue, is that the government's support has not been at the level that it needs to be for us to remain competitive. In fact, what it lacks most is probably a sector-specific approach, which other countries have and always have in this type of industry. And the industry itself has been reaching out to our partners to say, we need help. We need help, we need your support, we need active partnership to be able to do this. 
We tabled a report over a year ago. There were six parts to it. One of them is on labor. I want to emphasize that. The average age of the industrial worker in the aerospace industry is 54 years old on the plant floor. Now, if that isn't close to a crisis situation, it is going to be if we don't do anything about it. And we made several recommendations on how to address that, including incentivizing experienced workers to stay on the job or recruiting and being much more efficient through immigration and recruiting the expertise we need, or then training more young people. SMEs are a big part of it. We need to digitize. We need to upscale them. We need to the government to put together programs that will allow these small and medium-sized businesses to move up that chain to the new level at which they need to be to be competitive. And then there's the regulators, Transport Canada. We saw the MAX story, and by the way, the MAX story appeared after we tabled the report, just reminding us that if the government of Canada and Transport Canada doesn't have the resources they need to do their regulatory job, there is no industry. It is key to absolutely everything that we're going to be doing in that area. On the aerospace, I've already mentioned, the opportunities are extraordinary, and we need to be part of that. And also on defense, we need to do defense procurement in a much more efficient way, and one that allows us to reach out to SMEs, for example, and make them part of that chain. On innovation, finally, and that's where I think there's probably an extraordinary, exciting opportunity for the future. On innovation, if we're going to have a partnership with government, now's the time to put our minds to the carbon neutral plane, to the unmanned plane, to all the technology and the things that Canada does well that allow us to develop the next generation of technology that is going to make this industry a leader in Canada and a leader in the world. Now, since then, COVID-19. COVID-19 has affected everyone, all of us, I don't, you're elected members of parliament, I don't need to remind you of that. But in the case of this pandemic, it has affected certain industries more than others. Service sector, of course, is gravely affected. But the airlines and aerospace, more than the average industry. In the case of the airlines, I don't need to tell their story. They, they ex express it very well, and we all know what has happened. And the perspective of them returning to what was previous level of business is still far into the future, but there's obviously a connection to aerospace, of selling planes, of developing them. And it has put the aerospace industry in the world, in the world, in a very precarious position. Alors, la, la pandémie a un effet sur tout le monde et l'ensemble des industries. Mais permettez-moi simplement de réitérer à quel point cela a un effet beaucoup plus important dans le secteur de l'aéronautique le secteur aérien, pour les transports aériens, mais l'aéronautique, que la moyenne. Parce qu'évidemment, dans le contexte de la, de la pandémie, les avions sont cloués, cloués au sol. La reprise des, euh, du transport aérien n'est pas prévue avant, honnêtement, quelques années. On espère que ce sera plus rapide que ça, mais les prévisions sont qu'on ne reviendra pas à un niveau d'affaires que nous avions connu avant la, la COVID avant 2022. La fin de 2022, il y en a qui prédisent même plus loin. Alors, il y a, il y a un effet, évidemment, d'entraînement sur l'ensemble de l'industrie. Now, other countries in the world have addressed this issue because they've moved from the crisis programs confinement of surviving to stimulating the economy. That's what we're hearing now in Ottawa. If we've all followed the stories of how the new government, how the government is actually 
preparing for a speech from the throne. They prorogued parliament. There'll be an economic statement or a budget. Maybe some of you can tell us about that because no one knows really for sure. But let's assume there's a budget. The expectation now is that the budget will focus on stimulating the economy. And who are the targets, the companies, the people we need to generate wealth that is going to be able to sustain our country and are the middle class and all Canadians, rich or poor. And as we look ahead, this industry is one of the industries that we must support that is going to be in a position to generate wealth and prosperity if we get the right type of partnership. Other countries have responded. In France, they've launched a $26 billion program. Germany's launched a program. Europe, the United States, even Hong Kong has put together a program. Canada, in this respect, relative to our competition in the aerospace industry, is late to the game. Alors, nous avons pris du retard non seulement dans notre positionnement dans le monde, mais dans notre capacité de soutenir l'industrie pour la prochaine étape, celle de la reprise économique. C'est ça l'enjeu. C'est ça l'enjeu le plus immédiat. That's the most immediate issue that we're facing is how do we work together to be able to support the industry and allow it to create the jobs and the wealth it always has and be a leader in the world. Now, I hate to finish on a more negative note, but you know we've reached out to the best experts in the world to help us see our way through on what's happening in industry now. And we went to Roland Berger, one of the studies they did for us that come to the conclusion that Canada's been losing ground for the last seven, eight years. We've been losing ground. We're not, we used to be fifth in the world. We're now seventh, ninth. There's less jobs, less manufacturing jobs over that period of time. And it means that our industry is losing its competitive edge relative to the rest of the world. And one thing all of us have to keep in mind, nothing's static. I mean, the competitors we had are always there and new ones because other countries are not going to stand by and just watch this industry evolve without wanting to have a piece of it. It's that simple. So we have our old competitors and new competitors, and we lack right now an overall overarching policy in Canada, a sector-specific policy that would allow us to remain competitive maybe gain some market share and continue to do what we do well and be one of the best countries in the world in the aerospace industry. So I, there's, I wanted to set the table for us. We're going to have a discussion today that I hope will be very constructive and open. And, and then I may have a few questions or Mike, and then our membership who's on the line may have some questions. Alors aujourd'hui, on ouvre la discussion sur l'avenir de l'industrie. Et comme il y a des événements importants qui sont à l'agenda, un discours du fond, un budget, euh, etc., ce sera l'occasion pour nous de, de vous entendre sur la position que vous défendez et celle de votre parti sur l'avenir du secteur de l'aérospatial. So, I'm going to start with Ivan Baker, who was recently elected in this last general election campaign from Ontario and was previously Queen Park and was previously a parliamentary secretary to the Minister of Finance. So, something numbers is something that you have experience with, Ivan. Thank you for accepting our invitation. And after we talk with uh, Yvan, I'll give you the roll call so that you know, Malvi. I'm going to go to Matt Généraux, who I see on my screen. Hello, Matt. And we'll introduce you a little more after we talk with Yvan. Then, nous allons aller vers vous, Alexandre Boulris, et uh, ce sera l'occasion de vous entendre et, uh, et entendre la position du uh, NPD. Finalement, Simon-Pierre Savard-Tremblay, que je vois également à l'écran, 
du Bloc québécois qui pourra nous adresser la parole. So, Yvan, please, I guess on the things we're curious to hear is what can we anticipate in the next few months in regards to government's management of the public agenda? We know a speech from the throne and, and what is your perspective on the things that we should be paying attention to or that you think we should be doing in support of the industry? So, Yvan, thank you again and please, the floor is yours. Well, well, thank you very much, Mr. Charest. And before I, I begin in answering your question, I just wanted to thank you, first of all, for, for hosting this session and thank all the IAC members for, for being here today. I'm really looking forward to the discussion. You know, I'd like to thank you, Mr. Charest, for not just hosting, but also for your work and the team's work on the Vision 2025 report, which you referenced. And I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank you for your many years of service in federal cabinets, uh, House of Commons, as Premier of Quebec, and the National Assembly of Quebec. And you mentioned at the outset, Mr. Charest, when we were just all logging in, that you noted that I had served in the provincial legislature in Ontario and now in the federal parliament. So someday I hope to have the chance to compare notes with you about the differences between federal and, and provincial politics. We'll save that discussion for another day. But thank you again for hosting this. I was told by my, a mentor of mine, a political mentor of mine, that the most important job of a politician is to listen. And so I have some thoughts and I'll share them with you to answer your question and other questions that may come. But I also look forward to this session because I hope it's an opportunity for me to hear from all of you, Mr. Charest, from the IAC members, with ideas and suggestions as well for how we tackle those challenges that, that you outlined, Mr. Charest. Much has changed since the, the 2025, Vision 2025 report was tabled in June 2019. And we've, since then, Canada and all of us, the rest of the world has been hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think it's fair to say that I, I think my colleagues in government recognize that the aerospace, the aviation industries and workers are particularly affected by this pandemic. So there's a recognition of that, of that challenge, that problem. As part of the COVID-19 response, there were a number of measures put in place to support businesses across sectors. So things like the emergency wage subsidy, the large employer emergency financing facility, business credit availability for smaller businesses. But I know that the conversation here is more about the sector-specific component of that and what can be done. I think it's fair to say that governments of all stripes have stood to support the Canadian aviation and aerospace workers. And I continue to advocate for that. That's why I agreed to be part of this caucus. And I know the government feels that way as well. I know that there are a couple of measures that have been taken specific to, to make sure that we truly understand the concerns, the challenges that, this, that the industry is facing right now. So Minister Baines launched the Industry Strategy Council to bring together leaders from the private sector, including those from advanced manufacturing and transportation, so he can understand, so the government understands what the precise impact has been of COVID-19. And that's going to help us assess what those issues are and therefore what the solution should be. And I think more specifically on the aerospace front, Minister Baines approved a nine-month deferral of repayment obligations for legacy recipients in the repayment phase of some of the ISEC programs. So again, trying to assist in a targeted way the sector with that particular measure. But I think in terms of sector-specific measures, the focus right now is really understanding what the challenges are so that the appropriate support can be provided. I think as far as the Vision 2025 report goes, I think there are a number of components to that that I hope we have a chance to get into today in this discussion. I think there's a number of measures that the government's try to take in response to that or to tackle some of those challenges. So for example, as of 2019, $750 million in funding has been allocated to support the aerospace and space sectors through innovation programs. And that's meant to leverage about $10.5 billion in total project costs since 2015. Under recently, under the Strategic Innovation Fund, the government announced $49 million for Aerospace Industries Association of Canada, so IAC's initiation initiative to help the aerospace industry accelerate the commercialization of new technology. And there's a number of other measures I could talk to, but I think what I'm trying to suggest here is that from my vantage point, I think even from the government's vantage point, my colleagues understand the aerospace industry has been hit hard. Parties of all stripes, governments of all stripes have supported the, the sector and will continue to do so. And right now the focus is on 
listening, bringing the, that panel of private sector leaders together to understand what the impacts are across a number of sectors, including aerospace, so that we can put together the appropriate response. But also to say that a number of things have been put in place, some of them in response to the 2025 report and some of them prior to that. And I look forward to continuing to champion those initiatives in the years to come. But I look forward to hearing from you, Mr. Charest, and the others on the call with suggestions and ideas as to what more we can do. Well, thank you very much, Ivan. That you know, sets the table then for comments that your colleagues will also add. And, and, and I'll go now to Matt Généraux. Matt, you were elected, re-elected in 2019, so congratulations. And you were elected in a previous campaign, so you're in your second mandate in the House of Commons and had several responsibilities as a critic. You've uh, been the shadow minister for infrastructure, communities, urban affairs, innovation science and economic development, which attracted my attention because of the innovation component of the report that we tabled a year ago, and also uh, of science and so and Western economic diversification. So, and I know that you've paid a, a, you've had a special interest in the long-awaited space strategy, also. So we we look forward to hearing your remarks, and I'll turn the floor over to you, Matt. Great, thanks, Mister, and thanks to my colleagues for for taking the time. To, to, to join us, which I think is a, a very important discussion that a lot of Canadians want to have right now is the, the future of the aerospace uh, sector. You know, for, forgive me, MP Baker, I didn't hear if there's a budget or, or not coming. I was hoping that perhaps we'd be able to hear that uh, from you, but maybe we'll get into that later on in the call. Sorry, I, I do think this isn't a partisan issue. I think many of us believe in, in the aerospace sector and we all want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to, to support it. And I think due to, to, to COVID and some of the comments made by you, Mr. Sheree, are, are, are very much dominant in, in my email inbox and I'm sure my colleagues' email inbox on what the future of the sector means. You know, I, for the course of about three or four months, we would easily get uh, an email to two to five a day on on just the the amount of anger towards the let's say the the, the major the two major airlines and what that the hesitance to to, to fly or or to be uh, be up in up in the air just you know those are my constituents uh, alone and trying to then win that back that support in levels is, is going to take time but I think there's a number of the the, the two major carriers are, are doing some work on on that front. But from the manufacturing standpoint, I think is a is a really interesting story. And it was it sounded like we were in a bit of a, a difficult situation anyways when it came to I, I was in Lunenburg and they saying the entire town would be decimated if if certain measures didn't go through in that particular budget in 2019's budget which now we see even more so with uh, the impacts of, of COVID. I had a call with uh, Arm Prior the other day and similar situation just uh, again on the manufacturing front. What What's the future hold here in Canada when there's other opportunities and, and other countries, uh, you know, particularly as reference, our neighbours to the south are doing a lot more to support the industry or, or at least perception of supporting the industry than, than has happened here. So I, I think it's important to have the discussion. I think the, 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 the big thing that would love to get to in uh, at least if, if it's a throne speech, if it's a budget, whatever it is, is just that that specific recognition for the aerospace sector. It's it's great to say it's it's under Minister Baines is looking at it in a a bigger industry innovation strategy, but to really put the focus on a an aerospace strategy and an aerospace even a mention in the throne speech, I think would go very far away. And if there's any any pressure that can continue to to put on that from 
from members on this call or members of parliament, uh, certainly open to, to hearing some of those thoughts. So I'll, I'll leave my comments there, Mr. Shrey, but then I'm uh, looking forward to hearing some of the, the feedback throughout the rest of the call. No, thank you. Thank you very much. And Matt, this is an interesting time also for the opposition and the Conservative Party with a change of leadership. And it reminded me this morning that after we tabled the report well over a year ago and during the federal election campaign that ensued, we did a panel in Toronto and the representative of your party was Aaron O'Toole. So Right on top of things we are. There you go. He's now the leader. <laughs> the timing was impeccable. I'm now going to go to Alexandre Bouleris. Alexandre, I think you were with us in Montréal when we did the panel in the cadre of the campaign electoral. I have a very good memory. Alexandre, uh, you're, you're the, the man standing in the province of Quebec for the NDP. Hey, hey, don't feel alone. I've been <laughs> in 1993. And look, I survived, right? And so we're delighted to have you with us today. And we're very interested in hearing your thoughts. Thank you. Merci beaucoup, Monsieur Charest. Merci également pour pour l'invitation, l'initiative de cette réunion aujourd'hui, de cette ce caucus-là. J'aimerais beaucoup vous dire s'il va y avoir une mise à jour économique ou un budget cet automne. Malheureusement, les libéraux m'ont pas encore donné cette information-là. Je ne sais pas s'ils vont le faire non plus. Évidemment, nous, au NPD, on est des grands supporters de l'industrie aérospatiale et aéronautique depuis longtemps principalement, vous n'en serez pas surpris par les représentants de leurs travailleurs et travailleuses, que ce soit les machinistes ou Unifor, parce que c'est, des, comme vous l'avez dit, des dizaines de milliers de, d'emplois et de, de bons emplois, de bons emplois bien payés. Quand on parle de la classe moyenne, c'est, c'est, il y a beaucoup de gens là-dedans qui, qui se retrouvent là. Et vous avez parfaitement raison, on, on a besoin d'une stratégie fédérale en aérospatial. On a pris du retard par rapport aux autres pays dans le monde depuis des années. Et je pense que la pandémie fait en sorte qu'on a d'autant plus besoin euh, d'une stratégie nationale. Ça a aussi le niveau d'urgence et de nécessité d'avoir cette stratégie-là. Like we talked about when we were in together on the Montreal panel during the uh, last federal election, you know, Canada is on one of the only countries that have a big aerospace sector without a national strategy. And the pandemic showed that uh, we need that kind of strategy in partnership with the federal government much more than ever. So last time I thought we convinced Mr. Minister Garneau to uh, the necessity of this strategy, but maybe he didn't have the chance or the opportunity to implement it. But next fall will be a, a good timing to do that. Good timing because it's a really deep crisis and uh, we will really need to work together to pass through that crisis. Je suis assez inquiet en ce moment parce que dans la dernière année, probablement qu'on a réussi à continuer à fabriquer des avions parce qu'on était encore avec les carnets de commandes qui dataient de deux ans, trois ans, quatre ans. Euh, avec le ralentissement du trafic aérien majeur qu'on voit en ce moment, qui a diminué de certains mois de 90 peut-être qu'aujourd'hui c'est 75 je suis assez inquiet de comment on va être capable de maintenir les emplois puis l'industrie dans les 3, 4, 5 prochaines années. Parce qu'on a beau dire il va peut-être avoir une reprise du trafic aérien importante en 2022 ou en 2023, mais il va y avoir un trou dans le carnet de commandes qui va avoir un impact sur plusieurs années à venir. Alors comment le gouvernement fédéral peut être un partenaire pour passer à travers cette étape-là. Alors, non seulement, nous, ce qu'on dit, c'est qu'il faut avoir une stratégie fédérale ou une stratégie nationale sur le secteur aérospatial, mais il faut également avoir un plan de transition pour ces années-là. So, we need that strategy, but we need a transition program for the years to come where we will not be able to, to build planes because there will not be any companies will ask to uh, have new planes if, you know, more than half of the people, our, our customers are not flying anymore 
because of the pandemic or the consequences of the pandemic. You know, we should invest in R&D and innovation. We should invest in training. We should invest in, in young workers. But a big part of that sector is to build planes. And if there's no comment, if there's no companies asking for new planes, what we can do for the next a couple of years, maybe five, say, six years. So we need a transition program from the federal government for those years because there will be like a empty uh, basket for a couple of years. So this is where uh, our thoughts are. And c'est là-dessus qu'on veut travailler uh, au NPD sur comment on peut garder le lien d'emploi de tous ces travailleurs-là qui fabriquent des avions ou qui fabriquent des pièces d'avions et qui n'auront pas de commande, qui n'auront pas de carnet de commande dans les prochaines années. Euh, comment qu'on fait ça? C'est un, un immense défi, euh, mais on ne veut pas perdre cette main dœuvre là puis on ne veut pas perdre ces industries-là et ces entreprises-là. Voilà. Merci, M. Charest. Merci. Merci beaucoup, Alexandre. Et je vais finalement aller vers Simon-Pierre Savard-Tremblay. Simon, c'est vous qui étiez avec nous à Montréal également. Est-ce que je me trompe? Ou... Lors du débat en question, ce n'était pas moi. Là. Ah, OK. Bon, ben, probablement mon collègue Gabriel Sainte-Marie. C'est ça. Je vois Alexandre qui hoche la tête, c'est Gabriel Saint-Paris. Excusez-moi, mais vous m'avez entendu pareil parce que mon micro était, ben, je viens de constater qu'il est élevé. Vous m'avez entendu pareil? OK, parfait. Oui, puis là, on vous entend encore mieux. C'est encore mieux. Génial. Vous saluerez votre, votre collègue Gabriel. Genre, on a un bon souvenir. Et pour vous aussi, c'est une première, une première élection à la Chambre des oui. communes. Alors, félicitations. Alors, euh, vous avez, évidemment, parce que vous êtes au Québec, vous, vous avez, une, je pense, une bonne idée du contour de l'industrie, mm -hmm. à la fois au Québec et dans le reste du Canada. Voulez-vous nous donner euh, une lecture de ce que vous voyez sur le terrain, puis en même temps, parlez-nous aussi, dans ce contexte, de ce que vous voyez pour l'avenir de l'industrie, de ce que le gouvernement fédéral, le rôle que devrait jouer le gouvernement fédéral. Merci, Simon. Merci. Alors, ben, je pense qu'il y a une chose qui est claire, personne ne le, ne le niera, surtout pas vous qui avez été premier ministre du Québec. C'est une industrie absolument fondamentale, absolument centrale. Non seulement, euh, non seulement il y a l'industrie en elle-même, il y a toute la grappe d'innovation, la grappe de recherche qui vient autour. Les emplois sont, sont fondamentaux aussi, ceux qui s'y rattachent. Euh, maintenant, euh, il y a malheureusement, depuis les dernières années, on, il, y a, il y a une espèce de dualité quand on parle au Québec de cette question-là. Il y a probablement du travail qui est à refaire. Quand on parle d'aérospatial, les gens sont fiers, mais quand on nomme le mot « bombardier », qui est pourtant central à cette grappe-là, on dirait qu'il y a une espèce de traumatisme encore. On dirait que quand on mentionne ça, souvent, là, là, là les gens vont se crisper immédiatement. Ça, à mon avis, il y aura un travail qui sera à faire par rapport à ça. Euh, je ne veux pas revenir sur les raisons qui, que tout le monde connaît autour de, ce, de, de cette espèce de, de, de traumatisme bombardier-là, mais il y aura assurément quelque chose, probablement de la communication à faire là-dessus pour redorer le blason de cette entreprise qui euh, peut-être, qui sans doute n'a pas été mo un modèle dans les, de, dans les dernières années, mais qui néanmoins est un, un élément extrêmement important de l'économie euh, québécoise. Maintenant aussi, au niveau canadien, il n'y a pas la même culture qu'il y a au Québec par rapport à l'interventionnisme, par rapport au, parta au partenariat qu'on pourrait avoir avec une entreprise de ce genre-là. Dans le cas québécois, comme on le sait, il y a beaucoup de sièges sociaux. Depuis le Québec Inc. des années 80, il y a une intervention. Vous savez, M. Charest, vous connaissez probablement encore mieux que moi les rouages de l'État québécois, la caisse de dépôt, etc. Il y a une culture de l'intervention euh, qu'il n'y a pas au Canada. Au Canada, 
où il y a beaucoup plus de succursales et où on dirait que dans la culture, on n'est pas habitué, mis à part peut-être les télécommunications, on n'est pas habitué à avoir des stratégies nationales, à avoir des stratégies de, de planification et autres. On pense nous aussi que ça s'impose, que ce soit pour les travailleurs ou d'ailleurs il y a un défi au niveau de la précarité. Ça, ça sera un enjeu extrêmement aussi important, la précarité des travailleurs de ce secteur-là. Mais il en faut une, bien entendu, une stratégie fédérale d'ensemble. Euh, sinon... Je réfléchis tout à l'heure, vous parliez d'avions carboneutres, ça serait effectivement un bel, un bel objectif qu'on partage absolument. Maintenant, il y avait un avion qui était très, très peu polluant, qui était celui de la C-Series. C'est extrêmement dommage qu'on l'ait perdu. Néanmoins, c'est encore trop tôt pour dire si la vente à Airbus était fondamentalement une mauvaise décision. Surtout que là, avec la COVID, ça a l'air d'aller mal partout, donc c'est vraiment pas évident de dire est-ce qu'il y a un endroit que ça va mieux que l'autre, est-ce que des décisions se prennent mieux que l'autre. Tout le monde est en train de gérer les pertes, tout le monde est en train de gérer les difficultés. Donc, c'est vraiment pas le moment de pouvoir tirer des bilans de tout ça, malheureusement. Mais dans l'ensemble, c'était quand même un beau modèle. Là, avec le fait que les avions sont cloués au sol, c'est effectivement un défi. Il va falloir qu'il y ait de l'aide attitrée à ce, à ce secteur-là, une aide, une transition véritablement vers la plupart des idées qui sont abordées ici, c'est-à-dire une stratégie d'ensemble, c'est-à-dire euh, aussi une stratégie de transition écologique du secteur. Donc, il y aura beaucoup de chantiers qui seront à mettre en place. Je vais m'arrêter là, pas que ça tourne en monologue, mais je suis convaincu qu'il y aura de beaux échanges dans les prochaines minutes. Simon, ce que vous dites, c'est très intéressant. Et, et quand vous parlez de plusieurs chantiers, Là, vous mettez le doigt dessus. Ce pas les occasions qui nous manquent actuellement pour aller vers euh, de nouveaux projets. Simon talked about one, one thing you talked about, Simon, I'll, I'll switch into English a bit so we can also reach the broadest audience here on workers. In a, the tour we did, the national tour, we met with every provincial government, Fitzgibbons in Quebec at the time, and even Premier Doug Ford and Vic Fideli, uh, the Minister of Economic Development. And in every single province, we also made the point that provincial governments have a very key role to play, especially in the regards to workers training, because it's mostly their jurisdiction. And uh, of the recommendations we put in the report was a coordination of co-op placements, things that need to be done for experienced workers. Les travailleurs d'expérience, on, on a autrefois les travailleurs âgés, ça n'existe plus. Mais il euh, y, a, y a des gestes à poser, il y a des politiques à mettre en place qui sont pleines de bon sens, à la fois pour les travailleurs, mais pour les industries et pour le gouvernement, pour soutenir le travail et, et permettre d'en faire plus, incluant les centres de formation, including national training centers. So these are all issues that make sense by themselves. But I, and I, I want to point that out because it, it isn't just the federal government. It's also the provinces. And everywhere we went during the national consultations, the provinces recognize that. And they're ready to come to the table. I know that for a fact. That the, but they need a signal from the federal government on whether or not that's the direction in which we're going. Yvan, I'm going to return to you, and you've had an, uh, an opportunity to hear uh, your colleagues on this, and there may be things that you want to add to the comments that you made or respond to. So please, the floor is yours, Yvan. And colleagues, if you want to just jump in after that, it will be fine. And then we'll turn it over to a few questions. Yvan? Okay, thank you. No, I think I think as much that my colleagues spoke to that I, I would agree with, I think Simon Piel's point about the global community has been hit by COVID-19. And it's something that we, you know, everyone's taking stock of what that impact has been from a health to economic and, and, and of course, on, on various industries, including aerospace. So, and I think that that 
if you want to, I'm, I come from a background in managed consulting before I was elected to office, uh, worked for a company called Boston Consulting Group. And one of the things that I learned through management consulting was that it's critical that you are very, very, uh, you, you are deliberate about identifying and articulating the problem so that you can be able to solve it effectively. And so it's fine to say we need a strategy to support the sector. I don't think anyone disagrees that we need to support the sector, but the how is the question. And so this point that I think Simon Piel was making, not in those words, but somewhat differently around the need to take stock and to, uh, to assess the impact is so important. So I wanted to, to sort of reiterate the importance of, of that so that we do solve the problem in a way that's sustainable, in a way that actually addresses the challenges that the industry is facing. And keeping in mind that, you know, as an MP, and I'm sure my colleagues would agree with this too, whether it's in our email inbox or through meetings that have been requested of us, you know, we're, I'm at least, I'm being lobbied by dozens and dozens of, of businesses or industry associations in various sectors, and they too need help. And so I think one of the things we need to look at from a government perspective, whether it's provincial or federal, is to make sure that we think about what we can do that will address the issues that cut across some of the sectors as well. And so I think we have to be just very thoughtful about how we put in place those measures. So not taking anything away from the need to act, not at all. I don't want that to be the message. We do need to act, but I think the how is the big question. And to do that, we need to really be clear about what those impacts have been on all the workers and the various in the diverse aspects of the aerospace industry, because it is, a, it is a diverse sector with large, large companies and some smaller businesses as well. And also thinking about how some of the challenges that you're facing also cut across sectors and how some of the aid we may need to provide may need to be provided in other, other sectors as well. So those are a couple of thoughts that kind of stem from the discussion that we heard there. In terms of the budget, I'll just say, Matt, and to others, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm not going to be able to make an announcement about the budget here today. But I do think that the throne speech was, was mentioned. And I think that there's, you know, the I'll make a broad statement about the throne speech. The throne speech that was delivered when, when the last parliament was formed was delivered under very different circumstances. And so this allows the government to really rearticulate a little bit of its vision for the next coming years. So I've heard the suggestion about the mention of the aerospace sector. I think it was Matt who suggested it. I've heard that suggestion. But I, I welcome thoughts, whether it's in this forum today from all of you or to contact me directly and to hear thoughts from members of IAC, from my colleagues, from Mr. Charest, as to what else needs to be in that throne speech, uh, what else needs to be in that budget, whatever it may come, to make sure tangibly, you know, very in, in specific terms to help the aerospace sector, because I want to help. That's why I'm part of this caucus, but I also need help in figuring out what those specific items are. Thank you, Ivan. I want to offer your colleagues a chance also to make some additional comments, but I, I want to ask you a question. Are there things that the industry needs to do, or the workers or the unions, to be able to bring their message to the, to the government side? Are there things that come to mind that, uh, that you think that we need to do better, more effectively? Is it is it calling up the members of our meeting with them or, or because we we do want to put all the chances on our side we do think by the way that the speech from the thrones a great opportunity and the timing is right i mean there's the convergence of a whole host of events put us in an extraordinary situation where we need to focus on growth and so we we do feel we fit right into that but Maybe there's things that are that, that we're missing. Are there things that we should be doing, Yvonne, that, that would be helpful in, in supporting you and talking to your colleagues about the importance of this industry? I appreciate the question, Mr. Charest. I, I think that from my vantage point, I think the more I hear from members of a community, in this case, the aerospace community, whether it's workers or businesses, and the more I hear consistent messages, the more helpful to me. So that's that would be the more that whether it's workers or members of the unions or People like yourself or others on this call can communicate that to their local members of parliament. A consistent message or a consistent set of messages in terms of what they believe is needed, that would I think that would be helpful because I think what it'll do is it'll 
it'll help give us confidence that those issues that you've raised are the ones that you know are truly the ones that are needed. Those solutions are the ones that are truly needed to solve the problems that you, we've discussed here today at the, the end of the sector's facing. But also it gives, it engages members of parliament who aren't on this call here today and other decision makers and influencers who can help move that along. So if there was something that that could be done, I would, that would be my suggestion. But I'd be curious to hear what my colleagues think about that. Thank you, Eva. I, I want to offer either Matt or Eric Sound or Simon an opportunity. And I see Eric Sound, do you want to add something? Eric Sound. Merci, Monsieur uh, uh, Baker. You know, the NDP, we are in favor in general of something uh, we could call the Buy Canada Act. And, you know, previously in the meeting, Mr. Charest, you talked about the procurements. And I don't know if it, it is the answer, but maybe it's a part of the answer. You know, civil aviation will have some difficulties and challenges for the next years. Maybe in the short term, the answer could also be procurements and, you know, turning a little bit more to defense. You know, it's not our in our DNA to ask for an increase in military spending, but we are already spending a lot. And we know that we will have to buy new uh, fighters in the coming uh, years, and we're already a little bit late about that. So how can we work together to be sure that if those planes are not built in Canada, that parts of those planes or pieces, we would make sure that a percentage or a part of the plane will be built in Canada. That could be an answer in short term to uh, prove to maintain those jobs that civil aviation will not be able to maintain in, in the next years. Alexandre, you make a very interesting point that we gave some thought to in the report that we tabled over a year ago. And in that report, it's not so much a buy America as buy Canada, as we put it in these words, buy for Canada. And a buy for Canada, we wanted it to be a larger concept that recognizes that our industry, 80% of what we do is exported. So we do want open markets. But let's try to be intelligent about how we manage our defense procurement. And I thought it was interesting that you would add, you know, it's not because the NDP is a war machine who thinks that we should be going into, you know, military adventures. But we all are taxpayers and we know that some defense capacity is part of sovereignty of a country and we're going to have to invest the money, including in the north, including, you know, our ability to be a sovereign country depends on that ability. So the buy for Canada, in other words, and I couldn't agree with you more, let's be intelligent about how we do it. And how can we allow that to trickle down to SMEs? And there's, it, it won't happen unless we want it to happen. We have to design policies that give those SMEs a, a, a chance and a break to have access to those procurements. Otherwise, it, it doesn't happen easily because the procurement process is designed in such a way where it goes to the big contractors not the smaller ones. We have to have the smaller ones incorporated in that process, be able to make it happen. So buy for Canada, I think a good for us was a good way of expressing it. Are there other uh, interventions that uh, I see Matt? Go right ahead. Yeah, thanks. And, you know, Ivan's in a, a tough spot. He's he's a government MP and he has to basically sit here and defend uh, government or, or or I guess the throne speech or, or, or take a lot of that feedback. But I, I do think it's a it's incumbent upon all of us uh, members of parliament to really take these messages forward. The message that, you know, they, Mr. Charest, you you raised at the, the beginning of the, the, uh, the age, uh, like, why is it so high of 54 years old in the, the sector? To to me, the aerospace sector, and one of the reasons I got involved in the caucus, is it's an exciting sector. There's, uh, there's space, there's domestic air travel. 
everything that we do as a member of parliament from you know, I, I come from Alberta, so I, I'm on an airplane eight hours a week, every week, usually every week. And it's, uh, I think it's an exciting sector. So why is it at the age of 54 is such a, a high age? I think the, the opportunity and something that could potentially fit well with this particular government's narrative is that to reach out into the, the STEM uh, sector and particularly young women involved in, in the sector, we see we see a significant support for for the STEM sector right now from from all levels of government, uh, really. But when it comes to to getting uh, young girls in, involved in a, an exciting sector like this, you know, we we know that uh, young girls leave the the STEM sector, you know, usually around junior high, high school. Being able to continue to make that an exciting field for for them and you know i'm a selfishly i'm a dad of, of two young girls just entering junior high and i want them to 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 enter a, a sector like an aerospace sector that will succeed for for many uh, years to come i mean the last thing I just want to quickly mention some of the comments it reminds me about some of the provincial jurisdiction and here in alberta there's a, a an mla a richard godfrey passed the strategic aviation advisory council act and it's interesting at a at a provincial level to to really provide that much focus on the the aviation industry. But once I started uh, reading the, the the particular act, it makes a, a lot of sense to to have a dedicated council to to sit and look at how the industry impacts uh, provinces. I'm not sure to what extent other provinces have done something similar, but certainly it's from my perspective as a supporter of the aerospace. Uh, industry is a, is a step in the right direction and, and perhaps there's opportunity for, for more of that from other provinces to step up as well. Well, Matt, I, I find that to be very interesting. And tell me if I'm wrong, didn't Premier Kenny and his Alberta plan delivered only a few weeks ago or a month and a half ago? There was a part in aerospace in that, was there not, Matt? Yeah, there was a, you're right, there was a brief mention of that. So I, I think, again, getting back to the throne speech, that's a tremendous opportunity to be able to to provide some of that, just support for, for the aerospace uh, sector. Yep. And I think all of us can, can probably advocate for some of that. Well, you know, Matt, this is, you know, what comes to mind listening to you on this is that this environment is probably a good opportunity for us to get rid of the old cassette about the aerospace industry and look at it for what it is for the future. And, you know, the, the, uh, some folks think the aerospace industry is just about Quebec when it's it's not. I mean, it's every part of the country, including Alberta. I mean, one of the companies that has the most momentum now in Canada is Viking Air out of British Columbia and uh, who uh, yeah, have bought some of the planes and the rights to produce planes from Bombardier and has and Alberta, whether it's Winnipeg, Alberta. I mean, there are, this industry is in every single part of the country. Simon Pierre talked earlier about Bombardier a while ago. I mean, Bombardier has, has received uh, loans that they reimbursed when I was premier and we made money out of it. But we can't replay the same old cassettes. And Alberta, Alberta should have a solid piece of this industry. There's no reason why it should not. And we need to, uh, and everyone should be should should applaud that and make help make that happen. So you can count on us to help that. You talk to provincial associations, by the way, they're very strong throughout the country. I saw Suzanne Benoit on our line. Suzanne represents the Quebec industry, which is very active and do a great job. So we should connect them together. But that piece of legislation you mentioned, I have not read, and I want to read it. So I'm going to look it up. And unless you just want to shoot it over to me. 
and I'll be delighted to read it because I think that's worth taking time to update on that. It's very good news coming from Alberta. Simon Pierre, on va bientôt. We're soon going to go to a few questions by the audience in the industry. But Simon Pierre, uh, est-ce que vous vouliez ajouter quelque chose? Anything that you want to add? Go right ahead. Ben, je pense aussi que de, de, de façon générale, euh, puis là, je, je réfléchis à haute voix un petit peu avec vous autres, là, euh, le, il va falloir une stratégie peut-être plus serrée au niveau de la protection des, des, des fleurons, justement. Euh, puis ça, ça, on parle de l'aérospatial, mais ça touche évidemment un paquet d'autres secteurs également. Est-ce que la loi sur l'investissement Canada, dans sa forme actuelle, est, est suffisante? Ça sera peut-être à réfléchir par rapport à ça aussi. Pardon, dire le gouvernement, les gouvernements partout dans le monde, en passant, ont resserré les règles pour l'investissement étranger. And our governments all over the world, as a consequence of this pandemic, it started in Australia, but France has done it, Europe is doing it, Germany and Canada has also, the present government has announced some restrictions on foreign investment. And I guess that, you know, what's behind this is a pretty basic concern. A lot of governments are worried that interests that are not aligned with their national interests will scoop up companies at rock bottom prices and and just walk away with them and so it's short term because it is protectionist it is and in the case of canada keep in mind we're a country that depends heavily on foreign direct investment we depend on it we just want it to be done in a way that's consistent with our national interests which is fine everyone does that and i think we've done it fairly well mais vous avez, vous avez pas tort, Simon Pierre. Tous les pays en ce moment gardent l'œil là-dessus et sont plus vigilants qu'ils l'étaient avant parce qu'ils craignent, ils craignent que des, des intérêts non alignés, appelons-le comme ça, là, achètent des, des, des compagnies qui sont canadiennes, domestiques et, et qui les exploitent d'une façon qui soit pas dans l'intérêt national. Alors voilà. I'm going to Mike. I think we're going to slowly turn it over to you because we have about half an hour left. Of what we scheduled, and uh, and there may be some questions from our membership of the AIC. So if it's okay, I'll turn it over to you, and you share the questions with us. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mr. Shrey, and thank you to the four members of Parliament for that interesting discussion. We're getting a lot of questions coming in here, but maybe I'll just. I think Mr. Baker had had talked about the deferral of payments and some of the things that have uh, that have been implemented. And we want to definitely thank the government for that deferral payment. That's something uh, AIC was pushing for. Also, the emergency wage subsidy was very beneficial to our industry and the 215,000 workers that we employ. Some of the impacts, I believe one of the members of parliament had asked about, uh, we did a bit of a survey early in the COVID-19 uh, crisis, and we found that 97% of our industry had either shut down partially or had layoffs. And we expect to see much more. So the impact is is there and it's, it's very real. And we've even had government economists come before us and reemphasize that our industry is one of the most hardest hit. One of the stats that stuck out to me from some of the consultants was for every month that aerospace is down, it takes about a year for us to recover. So we have a bit of we have a long road ahead of us. And so one of the questions uh, we, I have here from the members is, what are you hearing, number one? And I know, Mr. Genero, you had mentioned, you know, speaking to some companies and how can we as companies, particularly small businesses, what can we expect uh, over the long term from either the government or your party? And so maybe I don't know how we want to go here if somebody would like to jump in on, on that particular question. I'll jump in quickly. In, in terms of probably the big elephant in the room from, from our party is I think we're a week into a new leader. So it's it's certainly not a lot uh, that I guess 
to, to announce here as uh, a group. But I, I think uh, just on, on some of the, the points that you raised, Mike, the, the continuing advocacy of, of the, the sector, you know, having, whether it's one, one organization reach out to, to us and share their story, makes for a much more powerful message for us to go back to, to Parliament or to, to call up uh, uh, MP Baker and say, hey, you know, this is what we're, we're hearing as well. And making sure that the, uh, the, the whole story of the, the industry is, is, uh, is told because the, the National Post and Globe Mail will always cover the, 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 the big airlines every time. And anytime we, you know, there's, uh, we're seeing a lot of, of stories now about just the, the, the anger with refunding of, of tickets or, or whatnot. But I, I think there's, there's a bigger story to be told on the, uh, in the aerospace uh, sector and certainly something we want to hear those stories. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Baker? Sure. So I, I agree with what Matt just said. I think those, and I think this is a similar question to the one that Mr. Sheree asked me a few moments ago in terms of how we can do more, how we can help. So I won't, I won't repeat everything I said, but I think in a nutshell, the more consistent message here from various corners of the sector, workers, businesses, the large players, but also the SMEs, I think the more engaged you're going to have the, the influencers, influencers and decision makers leading into budgets and other decision milestones. But I think also the more confidence we're going to have that those suggestions that you're bringing are uh, representative of the needs of the full sector. And I think that's really important as, as MPs that we know that when we're acting and whether we're amending regulations or investing taxpayer dollars, we know that we're covering the needs of the, of the sector broadly. That's really, I think, why we're all here is, is to help the sector be successful and the workers and the businesses that are part of that sector be successful. So those would be my, my suggestions as, as to how to move forward. My, the only other suggestion I would make is that the more specific, from my vantage point, the more specifics, the better. And so I think we're all in agreement that there's a problem, challenge that, that the sector faces, especially post-COVID-19. I think we all acknowledge its importance. I think we're all on the same page, but we're all here. But what are those solutions and that tackle those various components of the value chain across the sector, different different size companies within the sector? That would be helpful. Excellent. Thank you. Mr. Bolleris or Mr. Sivard Tremblay, any comment? Je vous dirais rapidement que... L'angle avec lequel nous, on va approcher ces, ces questions-là, c'est vraiment le, le maintien puis la création d'emplois au Québec puis au Canada en général. C'est-à-dire qu'on est d'accord que de, de l'aide publique, qu'il y a un partenariat avec le gouvernement fédéral, qu'il y a une stratégie nationale sur l'aérospatiale, mais il faut qu'en retour, il y ait des garanties que les emplois vont rester ici, dans les grandes compagnies, mais aussi dans les PME, évidemment, qui font partie de la chaîne d'approvisionnement des, euh, des plus grandes compagnies pour la fabrication. Mais euh, on ne veut pas signer un chèque en blanc non plus. Il faut qu'il y ait des garanties du secteur qu'il y a du maintien d'emploi et de la création d'emplois ici. If I can, Mike. Et Alexandre, on ne peut pas être plus d'accord avec vous. La transparence va être très importante là-dessus. Et quand il y a un soutien et que c'est des fonds publics, qu'on soit clair sur les attentes et sur les, et sur les résultats de part et d'autre. Alors là-dessus, soyons clairs là, au point de départ. Je voulais revenir sur une idée que vous avez exprimée tantôt. I think you mentioned that the NDP would like to maybe table legislation about Buy Canada as exists for Buy America, and our concept was Buy for Canada, and you are more than welcome to steal the idea. One of the virtues in politics is steal good ideas. Take full credit of it. Matt, are you listening to me? Simon Pierre, steal good ideas, take credit for it. I can see you're taking notes. Buy for Canada in the aerospace industry. Mike, over to you. Buy for the benefit of Canada. Absolutely. <laughs> Mr. Savard Tremblay, any, any comments on the uh, original question? 
Ben écoutez, tout à fait aussi ben. d'accord avec l'approche de, le, de la protection, des garanties. D'ailleurs, je l'ai, dans une intervention récemment en Chambre pendant l'été, je l'avais, c'était une des choses que j'avais demandé au ministre de l'Industrie, qu'il y a une garantie, qu'il y a des conditions, qu'il y a une garantie de protection des emplois pour pas qu'il y ait de fuite. Je vous parlais tout à l'heure d'un des problèmes qui est celui de la précarité, parce que le, l'absence de sécurité d'emploi dans plusieurs euh, secteurs est une réelle plaie, est un réel problème par rapport à l'industrie de l'aérospatiale. Et véritablement, ça serait une direction, euh, ça serait assurément une difficulté sur laquelle il faudra se pencher dans une éventuelle politique d'ensemble dans le domaine que, je le rappelle, nous favorisons également. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for that. Just one of the observations. At some point, COVID-19 is going to end. And once it ends, we need industries such as aerospace that's going to contribute to the recovery and move on. And that's really why we need the support, which what we're seeking uh, for today. So one of the other questions is here uh, regarding a sector strategy. The issue for the industry is that we're hearing that this is not potentially where the government is going. And every day we hear government working with different stakeholders, industries, on specific programs for this industry, that industry. We have the Industry Sectoral Council that doesn't have dedicated aerospace uh, representation to it. So we're getting frustrated. And how do we how do we get that action to get that sector strategy? And again, going back to my, my earlier observations, how do we ensure that aerospace is positioned well uh, coming out of the recovery with 80% of our output export related? I think we are uniquely positioned to help contribute to that recovery. So maybe I'll start with you, Mr. Bolleris, if you have some thoughts on that. Oui, je vous dirais rapidement que peut-être c'est, c'est vrai qu'il y, y a d'autres secteurs économiques ou industriels où on a l'impression qu'on connaît mieux un peu les, les employés, les travailleurs, les travailleuses. Il y a eu beaucoup de campagnes de publicité dans les dernières années qui nous parlaient, par exemple, le secteur laitier, par exemple. Les agriculteurs sont assez agressifs là-dessus pour faire connaître leur, leur profession, leur travail et les résultats que ça donne à la société. J'ai l'impression que peut-être auprès du grand public, un manque de connaissance de la réalité des gens qui fabriquent des pièces d'avion, des gens qui sont des ingénieurs, des gens qui, qui, euh, qui conçoivent des avions, qui font de la recherche et développement en aéronautique. Il y a peut-être là quelque chose à faire pour juste, au lieu, au-delà de dire qu'il y a 200 000 emplois, mais de présenter le, le visage des gens qui, qui travaillent là et euh, ce qui est leur contribution à, à l'économie de leur communauté et l'économie québécoise canadienne en général. Excellent. Thank you. Mr. Jenneru? Uh, yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right, Mike. There's a tremendous opportunity after COVID for, for the aerospace sector, and largely because right now we're seeing a, a lot of tourism, the rubber tire market tourism, you know, here in, in Alberta, encouraging people to, to drive to whether it be the, the mountains or, or into interior BC. Come next year, come the, the, the following year, once we do see back to whatever's somewhat sense of normal is there's, there's going to be a lot of appetite for for support for, for the sector a lot of, of travel pickup if, if your facts are, are true about one month equals one year you know we're now going on what must be about eight years in, in terms of getting back to where we were however i think there's going to be just such a desire to to, to take that that trip to, to europe uh, right now that you can't take uh, Take that trip to, you know, Hawaii, Mexico, from us on the West Coast here. I, I think there's going to be a lot of that that interest to do that and you know, making sure that the aerospace sector is supported so they have that opportunity to to really, when that desire does come back, the aerospace sector is ready to, to meet that desire. Excellent. Thank you, Mr. Jenneru. Uh, Mr. Savard-Tremblay, any comments? Écoutez, je, je, je vois le temps avancer puis je ne voudrais pas répéter ce que l'ensemble de mes collègues ont dit, donc je saute ce tour. 
Donc, ça me semble quand même euh, euh, l'idée globale, l'idée de la politique globale y est, l'idée de l'observation des emplois y est également. Donc, écoutez, je ne veux pas, je, je, je veux pas euh, prolonger inutilement cette, ce, ce tour-là. Excellent. Thank you. And Mr. Baker, just to respond on that need for a strategy, and we see all of our competitor nation, nations uh, going down that road. Yeah. And I think it's a very fair question. I mean, I think to recap, you know, if I think if we look back at what the government's approach has been, because the question was about the government's approach going forward. And I think, and I'll be, you know, to be fully frank, I don't know how, what the government's approach will be. I think the government's truly listening and trying to take stock of the challenge that the sector's facing, other sectors are facing, like I said earlier, and then develop a, a strategy to solve that. But I think the question about sector-specific strategy is very, very fair. I think, I think we're all aligned on the fact, we're all in agreement on the fact that the sector's facing challenges. It faced challenges before COVID-19. It's facing additional challenges now that it needs the government support. And, and you certainly have my commitment to make sure that, that, those, to help, that the government helps to solve those problems. But as far as whether that means a sector-specific approach and why, or is the government going to take one and why isn't the indication that's doing one yet? I would say that the reason is, is that because I think the government just hasn't decided as to how it wants to approach this. I think we're, you know, the focus originally in response to COVID-19 was To, to do to be sector agnostic to support businesses across the board. So we talked about the wage subsidy. We talked about other programs to provide credit. Those were designed to help businesses across the economy. And I think now it's what are the let's assess the problems with the input of people from all sectors. There was a mention in the question about the fact that the aerospace sector isn't represented. Although, and I, I'm happy to have a discussion further with you on this or offline on this. You know, there is there is an advanced manufacturing roundtable panel. There's transportation that's represented as well. But if there's a better way to hear those voices, I'm happy to hear that feedback. But the intent here is to certainly make sure that it's an inclusive process here, understand what the challenges are, and then come up with a response that's thoughtful. And I think, you know, we heard on this in our discussion here today, some of my colleagues have mentioned some very important topics. And they've made some, I think, some excellent suggestions. You know, one, one of those suggestions was, you know, the protection of employment. If we're going to support the sector, how do we protect employment for the workers? And I, I personally support that. I think that's important. But again, that's not something that you that we can turn around quickly. It has to be thoughtfully done. And if we provide support in, in a certain aspect of the aerospace sector, are there other aspects that will need support? Are there other sectors that will need support that affect our our families and our economy and across the country? So I think that's what the government's trying to do is figure out how do we tackle all these problems that the aerospace but other sectors are facing in a thoughtful way that makes the most of our taxpayer dollars, but helps us seize that opportunity that Matt was talking about, which we have in the throne speech. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mr. Baker, for that perspective. And we just want to thank you for your interest in your internal advocacy. You've been a strong champion for our sector, and we, we definitely thank you. On the Industry Sectoral Council, we have put in a submission, and we are making representations there, and it's been uh, it's been greatly appreciated, the back and forth we've had there. I just want to turn to, I have a question on, I'm going to combine a couple here, just cognizant of the, of the time, on the defense procurement. And I just, I need to be very clear that As an industry that exports 80% of what our output is, we need to be very careful on the issue of protectionism. And that's definitely not what we're going for. And I would just encourage folks to go to our website to see the position specific to the buy for the benefit of Canada, because it's it's a very good one, as Mr. Shrey said, but there's some nuance there that we just, I wouldn't want to get lost here. One of the questions that I have here is with respect to defense procurement, and maybe I'll, I'll combine it here. I think Mr. Shrey had mentioned it earlier in his remarks that uh, some of the countries, what we're seeing is they're expediting some of the defense procurement pieces because it's a way to inject some cash into the system. And so I'd be interested in hearing everyone's thoughts on 
On that, we're seeing some challenges specifically on the space front. And then is there a way through that, combining some questions here to help support small and medium-sized businesses and any sort of policy tweaks there? So maybe I'll, I'll open that up if there's somebody that wants to kick it off. Maybe Mr. Savard Tremblay, if you could kick that question off for us. Thank you. Donc, si j'ai bien compris les questions des PME, de comment les soutenir, c'est évidemment assez, assez fondamental parce que nous, dans le cas du Québec, des PME en aéronautique, il y en a plus de 200. Un des défis, je crois, parce que même si on regarde ça, dans un rayon d'à peu près 100 km autour de Montréal, on peut construire un, 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 un véhicule aérospatial d'à peu près de A à Z. On a tout. On manque de rien. Puis il y a très, très peu de régions dans le monde qui peuvent se targuer d'avoir la même capacité en la matière. Donc, je crois qu'un des défis par rapport à ces PME-là, que je répète, il y en a plus de 200, c'est qu'on les aide à s'intégrer finalement dans la chaîne de production des donneurs d'ordre comme Airbus, comme Bell Hélicoptère, comme Pratt Whitney et évidemment Bombardier. Puis dans un tel contexte, je crois que rendu là, il sera très, très difficile de perdre nos activités. Et puis, mais évidemment, le, 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 le Québec a été affaibli par le rachat de, de certains morceaux de bombardiers par des entreprises étrangères. On en parlait tout à l'heure. Puis M. Charest, vous, vous disiez vous-même qu'on a tout intérêt à être peut-être plus restrictif par rapport à l'investissement étranger, surtout depuis la crise, qui nous a montré certains dangers et trop dépendants de marchés extérieurs. Mais aussi, regardons néanmoins du côté du Canada, on peut dire cependant que les, les, les filiales sont relativement, malheureusement, assez peu innovantes et c'est là aussi l'intérêt d'une politique d'ensemble, d'une politique fédérale en la matière. Excellent. Thank you for that, Mr. Savard Tremblay. Mr. Baker, would you like to respond to that? Certainly. Which, which part of it? Just on the, ex, sorry, the expeditization of defense procurement and space procurement, and is that a way that we could perhaps inject uh, some of those funds into the ecosystem, if you will? My personal view is that as a government, and I felt this way when I was in provincial government as well, uh, where a tremendous amount of procurement was being done in the provincial context, it tends to be more around healthcare and transportation. And in the federal case, it's a little bit different. But in the case of defense, just as in the case of those other examples I just mentioned, I'm a big believer that the government provincial and federal governments should be buying Canadian if at all possible. And I think that that's, that's important for a number of reasons. I think it's important because in the vast majority of cases, we can't procure what we need here in Canada. I think when we see increased protectionism, protectionist politics from around the world, where administrations and governments are encouraging their own governments or mandating their own governments buy, buy local, buy within their country, I think we need to take stock of that and realize the impact that's having on our exporters. In our, in our industries and make sure that we're supporting them to the degree we can. And I think it has obviously the obvious economic implications that to the extent that we're making large procurement arrangements that we can have a significant positive effect on our, our domestic economy, whether in aerospace or elsewhere, if we're, if we're buying Canadian wherever possible. So I'm a buy Canadian wherever possible. That's, that's my philosophy and approach. So I, that's what I would apply to this, to this issue as well. Yeah, we, we have a number of procurement files that are pending and we need to see those continue through. And within those, there's always a strong benefit for Canada. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Bolleris, and then maybe we'll go to you, Mr. Genereux. Uh, quite uh, quickly, you know, I, when I was first elected member of parliament was uh, almost 10 years ago, 
And there was already a sense of urgency to replace the CF-18. It's been 10 years. It's not been done. So I don't know if it's uh, spending more rapidly in that case. But, you know, uh, I think it's something that is uh, that is coming. And I completely agree with the suggestion of uh, your members, you know, that we should maybe speed up a little bit some uh, investments and, uh, and some projects. And about space investments, I think it's a really good idea. Last time I checked, there's no uh, COVID in space. <laughs> and, and and just on the on the space file, we've seen you know the need for reliable broadband internet, and you know I think a lot of times when people think space, they think Lunar Gateway, which is all great programs too. But it's that connectivity piece which is pretty key, and I think COVID nineteen has really made that bring that to the forefront. Mr. Jenner, any any comments? And then I have one more question to maybe round this out. I'll just be quick. I'm curious how Mr. Bolarisa checked about COVID in space. Curious how he got up there. Uh, take me with you next time. The conversation about the space strategy, I think, is important because this is, I, Mr. Shere was right. I was our, our party's uh, industry uh, critic, I think, about two, two and a half, three years ago. Now, I'm our, our party's health critic now. And there's still no space strategy. It's it's left. Uh, there's been a lot of assumptions that we're going to get a space strategy. Uh, Mr. Baines, I believe at one point when I was a critic, said, wait, six months, Matt, we'll get a space strategy. So a lot longer than six months. I, I think now would be a, a great time, particularly if you look at the economic boost that would be provided if, if we opened up that sector, you know, to to young recruits. Again, I think you'd, you'd be able to to do a lot, kill a, a few birds with with one stone with, uh, with some of those if we're able to open that up. So I, I'll leave my comments there because I, I know we're running out of time. Thank you for that, Mr. Jenner. One of the things that I would echo is that on the national strategy piece, you know, it's got to address uh, defense, civil aviation or aerospace, and then also uh, defense. And uh, I agree on a space strategy, having something fully costed would definitely be appreciated. One of the last questions here that I'll pose, given we are not expecting manufacturing to suddenly improve in today's environment before the flying market returns, Companies are simply trying to hang on to the workforce they have today, let alone train or hire future employees where, you know, eight months ago we were in a bit of a labor crunch. The key support to industry today should include capital funding to allow introduction of new capabilities, to expand product portfolios and to upskill current workforces. This funding should be far better than commercial terms. Such a support would also attract foreign investment. Any feedback to that, that recommendation from one of the members? And maybe I'll start with you, Mr. Baker, and then go from there. I'll be brief. I mean, I've taken taken note of that, uh, those suggestions. I think those are the kinds of suggestions that are really helpful to me anyway. I think those we were chatting earlier about how the sector could be most helpful is, for me, it would be with specific suggestions like that. And that's so that's helpful. So I've taken note of that. My view is, is that the, whatever package whatever solution the government brings forward, whatever package of measures has to combine to address the range of issues that you're the sector space. And so those two could certainly be part of it. I certainly recognize the capital intensive nature of the sector. Uh, so I can appreciate why that would be helpful. And I can certainly, you know, we've talked about this on this call already, the importance of making sure that we're attracting and strengthening the talent base within the sector, because that's critical really to, to sustainable competitive advantage in the sector. So I've taken note of that for the time being. Excellent. Perfect. Mr. Jenneru? I think that goes back to a lot of the, the same points that Mr. Baker and, and the rest of us have, have been making in terms of making sure to, to advocate, the sector advocating for that type of, of awareness. You know, I, we, we get, Mr. Shrey can attest to this, we get lobbied a lot uh, from a lot of different uh, sectors, but to, to make sure that we're hearing those those opportunities to support that foreign investment 
here in, in Canada from within the aerospace sector, I think is, is important. So continue to, to reach out and, and call either your local member of parliament, inundate Mr. Baker with a bunch of his email uh, as well, but us as well. Please continue to push for the sector. Excellent. Thank you. Mr. Savard Tremblay. Alors, euh, ben écoutez, il va sans dire, je crois que cette pandémie-là, puis si on parle notamment au niveau du Québec, on a un paquet d'expertises qui pourraient facilement être exportées, qui pourraient facilement bénéficier au reste du monde, et l'aérospatiale en est une. Donc, oui, des investissements capitaux. J'ai entendu le mot « green » dans le, 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 la tournure de la question également. Donc, je pense qu'il va sans dire que maintenant, la relance, elle se reverte. Je pense qu'il n'y a personne qui va être en désaccord avec ça. Euh, on ne peut pas réenvisager une relance qui soit autrement qu'écologique. Donc, ça devrait même être une condition. Il devrait y avoir des exigences très serrées là-dessus. Donc, il va sans dire qu'au niveau de l'innovation, mais il faut savoir aussi que dans le cas québécois, l'innovation, elle est quand même déjà relativement au rendez-vous. Euh, pour, pour répéter un petit peu certains éléments euh, que j'avais que donné un petit peu euh, précédemment, c'est que de, de, dans la région très élargie de Montréal, on peut déjà construire un avion de A à Z. Donc, et puis je vous parlais aussi tout à l'heure de la grappe d'innovation, de la grappe de recherche qui est étroitement liée à euh, l'industrie à en elle-même. Donc, il va sans dire qu'en cette matière, des investissements pour soutenir cette industrie-là vont s'imposer, éviter la perte de vitesse qui pourrait être extrêmement dangereuse pour nous. Notre industrie est réellement menacée. Mais euh, maintenant, je crois que c'est aussi assez évident que euh, le besoin en matière d'innovation est beaucoup plus criant dans le reste du Canada qu'au Québec, mais que le Québec, bien entendu, serait bénéficiaire si le reste du Canada, qui où il trouvera assurément beaucoup de partenaires pouvait bénéficier de ces, ces investissements opportunistes, comme vous disiez, M. Charles. Merci, Simon Pierre. I think we wanted to go to that sound, Mike. Is that it? I think so, yes, to, to round it out. Merci beaucoup. Écoutez, si vous, euh, ma vidéo ne fonctionne plus parce que mon téléphone est en train de mourir, c'est des choses qui arrivent en, en temps de, de conférence Zoom, je vous dirais simplement que euh, oui, en fait, faut, une crise est aussi une occasion. Hein, et je pense que c'est une occasion à saisir en ce moment d'investissement en recherche et développement, nouvelles technologies, innovation. Moi, je pense beaucoup à cette crise actuelle-là comme une occasion inespérée de faire des changements fondamentaux en ce qui concerne l'environnement puis la lutte au changement climatique. Mais c'est vrai que ça peut aussi se, se être approprié pour le secteur aérospatial. Et, et notamment en ce qui concerne la formation professionnelle et mise en place d'expertise de, dans des centres de recherche ou, euh, ou alors dans des, euh, des, des, des ingénieurs extrêmement qualifiés. C'est une industrie qui ne dépend pas d'une matière première propre au Québec ou au Canada ou alors une force de travail brute ou à bon marché, mais plutôt euh, dans la qualité de nos cerveaux et la qualité de nos, nos, nos ressources humaines. Et si on n'investit pas euh, là-dedans, entre autres, bien, on va perdre euh, le quelque avantage compétitif qu'on peut avoir en ce moment. Alors, oui, prendre des risques pour euh, amener des capitaux supplémentaires, mais surtout pour être capable de faire en sorte que les 60 à 80 000 ingénieurs que la Chine produit à toutes les années ne soient pas meilleurs que nos ingénieurs ou notre main d'œuvre euh, dans les entreprises. Thank you for that. Maybe I'll just say a few words, Mr. Schrader, and then I'll let you close it out. We just really want to thank the four of you for the time that you've given us. We understand COVID-19 is a very busy uh, time, and we thank you for uh, your engagement with us and your continued engagement and support for our industry, for us, all four parties. It's greatly appreciated on behalf of our full membership and the 215,000 workers that they represent. We just wanted to thank you very much. And Mr. Schrader, maybe I'll turn it over to you for a few last-minute words. 
Well, thank you, Mike, and thank you to the whole team at AIAC for putting on this webinar and for the extraordinary work that you guys, that the girls are all doing. Uh, just a, a comment to say this is a, a unique opportunity for a reset in regards to the industry, I think, and government and its partnership. And maybe an opportunity to look at things that we were not contemplating only a year ago in terms of how we partner together. And I'm hoping that all of us will look at it that way and really look to the future because there's extraordinary opportunities. I'm very optimistic about the future of the industry and there's great opportunities out there as long as we have the common will to look at that. So, merci beaucoup d'avoir participé. I want to thank Yvan Baker. Thank you, Yvan, for making yourself available. And Matt Genero, Matt, thank you very, very much. And Alexandre Boulris, merci, Alexandre. Et Simon Pierre, merci beaucoup. Ça a été intéressant. All four of you are absolutely great, and we look forward, we very much look forward to working with you. Thanks, you, Mike, everyone. Merci. Au revoir. Merci. Merci. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's a wrap for this episode, and thanks for listening. Please check out AIC.ca for more information, or if you would like to join AIC to be part of the conversation. 